What's up? It's the Album Nerds Podcast. Hi, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I got a face palming Andy on the other side of the world. Was it 1999, man? What is going on here? <laughs> That's the last time I enjoyed Super Bowl commercials, I think. so. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the greatest, yeah. And I think on one of our old shows, I've, I've probably done this before. So uh, if any of you out there have heard me do that before, add Album Nerds, yell at me. On Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, and people, I'm on video call with you right now, and behind you, you have a Budweiser literally right next to your head. You have a yes. Budweiser sign, so she gets a little product placement going on there. That's right. That's right. I got some Pabst Blue Ribbon up in here, too. Plus that huge 40 you're drinking right now. That's right. It's a 50. <laughs> 50. <laughs> that's how they do it. Oh, no, that's a dad joke right there. Yikes. <laughs> All right, welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast. Uh, we talk about albums and not old, played out ads and catchphrases. Uh. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that too, actually. <laughs> so, Andy, what are we talking about today? What's the deal? We are talking about it's a little bit more conceptual on the show today. We've got two records, one from Marissa Anderson slash William Tyler and one from The Rolling Stones. Both that deal with this idea of change, transition, kind of an end of an era, maybe uh, uh unfulfilled promise of futures, yeah. Yes, exactly. Kind of be a what could have been type of thing. Oh yeah. This is deep. This is deep. It is. Get out your tissues, folks. <laughs> Time to shed some tears. No, it's, it's really not like that. <laughs> it's more It's more of a uh, scratch your chin thoughtfully. Yeah. Stroke your beard if you have one. Some thoughtful considerations. If you don't have a beard, go get one. It is Halloween-ish time, so you could go get yourself a beard and start stroking that thing. <laughs> <laughs> they sell them in a special section, stroking beards. Stroking beards, yeah. Yeah, trust me. <laughs> don't ask for that. <laughs> Oh, this is going in the wrong direction, so why don't we change that? Alright, so we're starting out here with a new release recommendation coming from yours truly. Talking about the collab project from Marissa Anderson and William Tyler that came out in August of 2021 entitled Lost Futures. It is a instrumental guitar record. Pretty sure it's the first instrumental guitar record we've done in our 136 episodes. It's also uh, it's the first album we've talked about that makes me want to nap. <laughs> <laughs> it's so soothing. All right. Uh, yeah, so they pull from elements of, let's say, Americana, folk, maybe some jazz in there as well. So it's a debut record from the group, recorded in Portland over summer 2020. So they were kind of like right in the thick of things as in terms of pandemic. It's kind of in full, full-fledged craziness. Um, they also had the riots going on in Portland as well as the, uh, the wildfires, and they were right in the middle of it, creating this very calm, <laughs> melodic music. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't considered that the Portland connection and all that was going on there. 
Yes. Uh, Marissa is from Portland. Uh, William, I think, is from the West Coast and drove up. They've been like longtime friends. They're kind of in the same space, both in this kind of like uh, kind of instrumental guitar part of the music industry. So yeah, they got together, decided since they weren't really doing any touring, hey, let's let's record a record together. And this is a result of that. Before we jump in and play a cut, I just wanted to talk about this idea, this concept. So the album is called Lost Futures, which is based on a term coined by Arthur, author Mark Fisher. Uh, he had this idea that ideals that once felt inevitable but have since been interrupted fall into these uh, these lost futures, these things that seemed like they were going to happen, but then for whatever reason we got sidetracked and it never really transpired. So I, I love that. I love that concept, and that kind of feels like that's kind of where we're at today a little bit. Like we had all these things going for us, and we kind of got sidetracked last year by some of the calamities that came about. And it's happened before. It's happened before in our history, which we'll get to later on. But it's the it's an interesting idea. I think you can hear that a little bit in this record, especially in this song here we're going to play. This is the last cut off the record. Uh, it's entitled Haunted by Water. of Haunted by Water off of Lost Futures. Yeah, I mean, that track really stood out to me. I think it's got to tie in a little bit with the wildfires that are going on there, I would assume. I know, like, they, I heard them interviewed and they were talking about, you know, they could smell the smoke as they were recording these songs inside their home studio. Yeah, this kind of idea of, like, things that could have been and now they they really wish they, <laughs> they, wish they had some water to kind of help them out of the situation they were in. Might just be a very surface-level reading of that, but... And I love, I mean, they, they create like some really beautiful themes on this record and expand on them, I think, beautifully. What did you think, man? Uh, I know this is not it, your jam necessarily. There's no singing anywhere no, on this record. I know. Uh, but, you know, I like John Fahey and stuff here and there, listening to folk guitarist type stuff, instrumental. Mm-hmm. now and again and folks this isn't nearly as boring as it sounds on the surface no offense to andy's description but uh <laughs> that's, that's really description sonically so sonically it is much more varied than i would have expected yes. um the sounds are, are different from song to song the, like that song there i can almost hear lyrics without there being any i can they did a good job of melody where you're you can kind of put something to it in your head. It's like you're kind of da 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 da, like almost putting words in, you know, like you do when you don't know the words to a song. It's like something, something. It's kind of like that throughout where you're putting some somethings in there. So you're like really, I mean, that's high to lyrics that you feel the need, even when they yeah. don't exist, you want to kind of yes. interject. Oh, them. absolutely. Yeah, I need them. <laughs> and then there was like some odd turns. The something will come track four. Yeah, yep. That's that, what I, I was like, you might mention. Did I, am I on the wrong album here? You know, because it's like do do do, bitter do do, bing, bitter do, and I'm like, okay, 
That's fine. And then that song came out. I'm like, wait, did, they, did I get it on the wrong playlist or something? Yeah. So, something will come is this drone track. It's fairly lengthy. It's about six minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's slowly built. It's very hypnotic. Lots of like electronics going on in the background. I don't, there must be some guitar on it, but it's very hard to distinguish it as guitar. Well, I think it's kind of an intermission, sort of a, you know, chapters where the first half of the mm. album and then that kind of, I, I I felt like it kind of represented the chaos and stuff that affected that 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 future that mm. didn't come, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, least, no, sure. I, yeah, I can, see, I can see what you're saying. So that was kind of like the chaos of the lost futures and then the new path afterward. This is kind of what happened as a result of that after yeah, that. Yeah, hurricane light, life and casually haunted by water. That's kind of, hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. That's interesting. And I didn't really do any research. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, I just tried to go with my gut on this one because I didn't, you know, I don't want to be affected by the reviews from Barnes and Noble or whatever, because that's kind of, you know, <laughs> this has a Barnes and Noble vibe to me, man. The infamous Barnes and Noble review. Yeah, the old bookstore. Gotta get the sign off from <laughs> Barnes and Noble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I mean, that's one big plus for not having lyrics is you can read into these kind of what you will, and it's much feels much more personal. The interviews I read with, with the duo, they didn't really dive into meanings, just kind of more context for where these songs came from. Um, I think what really made this album stand out for me, and, and honestly, it's probably among my favorites of the year so far. Typically, when you get together two people like this, you both have their own successful independent careers, and they play out together on a record. It's just maybe they go through some motions, they do what they're good at, maybe they do collab well together, but it just comes out as like a series of songs that they record over a period of time, and it just kind of feels like a loose collection. Yeah. Or a dueling banjos type of deal where they're both you can hear songs where you can tell one person from the other and they're trying to kind of you it's like here's my part you know yeah right it seems better (laughs) yeah this feels like a band and it feels like an album you know like it really has some cool pacing like you said it does feel like it has some discrete parts to it and things that happen that affect things that are going to happen in the future that's cool you don't hear that too often I, i think yeah especially that's probably my favorite aspect of it, I guess. Uh, I knew William Tyler from some of his earlier work. First time hearing Marissa Anderson, but I really like, like her style. Both obviously fantastic guitarists. And I think, uh, they do a nice job of, of meshing their two styles together here. And they, they really play beautifully off of each other. Yeah. And when I first saw what this was, I was like, Andy, you're a bastard, but it's 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 pretty enjoyable. <laughs> so, I mean, my recommendation is if you would like to grab a huge, giant mug of coffee, stand in front of a window when it's raining, and contemplate life, and just stare out that window, listen to this album. That's what it's made for. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. So, once again, that was Lost Futures by Marissa Anderson and William Tyler. Uh, it's a very cool instrumental guitar record. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. <laughs> All right, so question on today's show we're going to talk about, get to know each other a little bit better. So it's like one of those like dating game shows, you know, like... Yeah, but it's, 
<laughs> it's probably more for the benefit of our listeners than people who have known each other for over 15 years. <laughs> that would be really fun. It's like, if I tried to guess what your answer was going to be, see how well, yeah. how well you'd know an album. Yeah, yeah, that would be compelling uh, <laughs> podcast right there. Um, is it because you... No. Is it because you... No. All right, today's question is, uh, what album was a soundtrack to a period of upheaval in your life? All right. In my case, I picked an album, Wilco, Sky Blue Sky. This was an album that I uh, was kind of into, and then I started to get uh, involved with my now wife, mm. and she had just was just coming out of a pretty casual relationship. So her and I started seeing each other. Things are, are going nice. But then this, this fella from the previous, uh, lost his mother and his daughter called my wife and said, he needs you. And so there was this sort of like, she had to go help this guy because she's a nice person. And there were, we were just starting out. So it was kind of like, can you hold for a second? And I'm like, eh, I'll try, you know, and there was, yeah. this, there was a song called, uh, either way on the album that was basically about, you know, maybe the sun will shine today, maybe it won't, but either way, I'll stay and and I'll be here. So I remember just, I was driving around and that song was on and I just played it over and over again. It kept me on track and cool and collecting like, okay, if it it's going to go one way or the other and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And then that was our wedding song. How's oh, so, your wedding song? Oh my <laughs> gosh, I didn't realize that part. That's awesome, though. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we were married within nine months quick. of yeah. getting involved, so. Yeah, isn't that cool how like, songs are like almost, it's like a, it's a good friend it, giving you advice almost in a way, you know? Like, totally. Yeah, that's mine. What about you, man? Back in early 2010s, uh, I had a cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I had just discovered at that time, the Roots record Undone. And that record kind of became like the soundtrack for my uh, cancer treatments, man. Like I listened to that. They let you bring a record in when you're doing treatments and you can put it on the stereo and and the whole like, the whole place is subject to whatever musical taste you have. Oh, nice. (laughs) That's a, that's a, in a horrible situation, that's a good opportunity to share something with, with people that are in a similar situation. Yeah. It's weird because it's like a very intimate thing. The treatments are like very, you know, you're like more or less naked and you're like, you know, kind of at the mercy of these people. And obviously your life is kind of in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. But I had this record and I kind of like relied on it, I guess. And cool. I, was, man, I listened to it like no exaggeration, probably a hundred times within a six month period when I was going through this shit. And the nice thing about it is it, it loops. Like you can put it on, the end becomes the beginning. Nice. Story just kind of flows, eats itself, yep. kind of type of thing. Yeah, so I listened to the shit on this record. There's a couple songs in particular that kind of like spoke to me about what I was going through. The song "Lighthouse" deals with kind of like drowning and kind of getting overcome by circumstances and mm-hmm. you know where you're at. And uh, yeah, I can pretty much not that I ever would do this willingly, but I could pretty much repeat all the lyrics on this record i would say start to finish. <laughs> well that's awesome man i mean i was i was there i saw you going through that and you didn't uh you seemed pretty unflappable 
And I didn't know about this album, but I have a feeling it had something to do with it. Yeah, you know, those things like that, they they seem minor at the time, but like in hindsight, it was like, man, that record really, that'll get me through some shit for sure. So it's good to, it's good to have those, man. Yeah, it's terrible to have bad situations in your life, but it's awesome to have something like music to help get you through. And that's part of why I think we're so passionate about this stuff in the first place and love the album format and all that it has to offer because there's some, there's things out there that can, you're like, whoa, yeah. that's about me, you know, and that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's beautiful. It's pretty powerful, man. Uh, yeah, but what record, uh, was a soundtrack to kind of a tumultuous period in your life. Some changes I'd love to know. Um, shoot a message on Twitter at Album Nerds. Old dogs. All right, it's this old dog's time for an old dog. Uh, so I, I did try to have some kind of connection to Andy's pick. And the first thing that came to mind, oddly enough, was the Rolling Stones 1969 album, uh, December of 69, Let It Bleed. Why don't we start off with Gimme Shelter, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Rolling Stones. So that was the Rolling Stones' Gimme Shelter from Let It Bleed. Sort of a song about the storm that's coming, this end of uh, era, end of a period of time, the hippie subculture of the mid to late 60s, the desire for peace and uh, equality and sort of how that all fell to pieces and crime and darkness were coming to the city streets coming into the 70s just a shot away just a rape away the darkness and this kind of nirvana like perfect world that the the hippie movement counterculture hoped for had instead taken another a different, different turn yeah and uh, that's kind of where it started for me for the connection now the rolling stones you've probably heard of them they've been around for six <laughs> decades <laughs> Still going strong. They put out a lot of albums. This was their their eighth British and tenth American studio album. Uh, They had some tumult in their band as well at the time. Uh, Some of their original members were on their way out, health wise, drugs wise. They'd run into some law problems with their drug use and that kind of thing over the years. So I think they, as a band, just the way that they lived, the way what their music reflected, sort of skated on that darker side. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to mention the Altamont uh, Music Festival that they put on as kind of a, it's supposed to be a West Coast Woodstock, but it turned into a uh, uh, fiery mess with people being murdered by the, the Hells Angels were hired to be their security, and there were fights and stabbings and kind of ended the decade. They were part of that eclipse basically yeah, yeah. You know, that occurred and so i i there's just i think they were the perfect band they always had the sort of blues 
like Robert Johnson crossroads mm-hmm. demon kind of, like they made a deal with the devil and it wouldn't have surprised me. <laughs> actually, no. Yeah. yeah I, I always hear them like mentioned, at least especially this record as kind of like the counter to the Beatles at the time. Right. Well, let it bleed. Let exactly, it be. Yeah. There's a couple of songs yeah. on here that kind of almost seem like a direct response to what the Beatles had done in the sixties. Is that how you, is that how you feel too? I mean, you're like the big Beatles head. I would I would say yes. I mean, uh, I think they all all the big bands of that time, the Beach Boys, the Beatles, and the Rolling Stones in particular, I think challenged each other. These bands were at the top, and they were kind of inspiring each other and trying to one up each other yeah. a little bit. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, the Beatles overall, yes, they had songs about bad stuff going on but largely one comes away smiling when you listen to the Beatles and you hear the Stones it's like man this world's ugly <laughs> it's a little more gritty yeah it's a little more real I guess and uh, there's some really great songs on here too Love in Vain is a Robert Johnson yeah. blues cover and I really do their their ability to be bluesy is better than most rock bands I can think of that have blues influences. Yes. I mean, where it's totally believable, even though they're, I don't know what their lives were like in Britain when they were kids, probably came up hard, but the tradition of blues came from American black culture and the darkness that they had to deal with coming out of slavery and all of that stuff. And somehow these guys channel it in a way that isn't offensive. It, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It, it really does sound, it sounds authentic and I know it's not, from a traditional blues place, but right. it feels, you can feel the pain and the anguish in Mick's voice and actually the guitar and they're really, yeah, they, they put, they're such a tight band too, especially at this point in their career. Like they're just mm-hmm. smoking through some of these songs. It sounds like effortlessly at times. And, and, and one kind of odd inclusion was Country Honk. Mm-hmm. Kind of a country blues song. Which, yeah, um, I mean, I love the sound of it. But they had had a hit, a single, Honky Tonk Woman, which is basically the same song, but spruced up to be more rock and roll radio friendly. I'm sure you've all heard Honky Tonk Women. Country Honk is like a stripped down, uh, yeah, gin-soaked bar room in Memphis kind of situation. You know, more of the the country blues side of it and leaning less into the rock and roll side of it so that's a it's it's fun to hear something familiar by the same band it's basically the same song just done in a different way and um pretty interesting that they included it let it bleed the title track lots of like stories about that is it about drugs is it about uh the world Mm -hmm. what was your take on on that song or both (laughs) i think i mean not that song specifically but kind of these middle chunk of songs on the record here. I was surprised how like, well, I guess two things, how funny the lyrics can be at times. Mick has mm-hmm. a real good way of kind of doing the double yeah, entendre thing. He could thing. be raunchy. He could be yeah. a raunchy dude, especially for this time when you weren't allowed to say certain <laughs> things. Man, they got right to the edge. Um, <laughs> yeah, you had to be, you had to be clever about it. You couldn't just say the F word. Right, or, or right, right. Well, yeah, that was kind of the other part was like, they're very sexual. Very sexual. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, um, look at their album covers and, and uh, 
yeah, they have. They have always had that vibe. They were the dirty, the dirty Beatles at the time. <laughs> no, you know? totally. That's exactly how it sounds. Yeah, Little Pleads great. I love the love the piano on there. Uh, Live with me was probably one of my favorites from this, this section of the record. Um, just kind of about how crazy their rock star or rock star life is, mm-hmm. and you know, it's kind of a crazy notion of like someone, a girlfriend moving in with them. Like, how would that even work? Yeah, I don't know. There were a couple of misses for me on this record too, though. Honestly, um, like Monkey Man was not like I didn't feel like that was that awesome. Yeah. Um, and there's the interesting song right before that, which uh, you got the silver, which is sung by uh, Keith Richards. Keith Richards, thank you. It really stands out. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad song, but it really kind of sticks mm-hmm. out as being significantly different than no. the rest of the record. Yeah, I mean, I like the songs that he sings, and I've liked his solo stuff too. It is kind of bluesy Bob Dylan type yeah. of uh, <laughs> yeah, just vibe. Voices, Bob Dylan, kind of Monkey Man. Yeah, it's a little weird. I like some of the lyrics though. It's it's got that you know, like John Lennon used to do with the yellow matter custard. Uh, swimming in a dead dog's eye, those kind of weird lyrics in like yeah. I am the walrus and stuff. This has like, I'm a flea bit peanut monkey. I'm a cold Italian pizza. I could yeah, use a lemon right. squeezer. I mean, I think it's just playing with words. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. This one is close. Mick Jagger pulls yeah. it off because he's Mick Jagger, but if there's anyone else, it'd be like, you can sell a lot with that swagger. That's for sure. Yeah, so I mean, it, so a lot of those songs aren't necessarily about the world at large. Some of them just about life of a rock mm-hmm. star and all of that. But then we come back around to the final track of the album. You can't always get what you want. So why don't we listen to a little bit of that and then talk about it? And I went down to the demonstration to get my fair share of abuse. Singing words going to bed. If we don't, we're gonna blow a 50 amp fuse. Sing it to me. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. Alright. That was You Can't Always Get What You Want. One of the most well-known Rolling Stones songs probably of all time, but also one of their mm-hmm. best, if you ask me. Um, so full. And I went down to the demonstration to get my fair share of abuse, singing, we're going to vent our frustration. If we if we don't, we're going to blow a 50-amp fuse. That lyric in particular really spoke to me about the 60s and the demonstrations and the make love not war and all that stuff. And you can't always get what you want. Things don't always work out, but you survive and get what you need. And it, that kind of spoke to me in terms of the, the first album we talked about where Maybe the path you thought was coming doesn't come. Yeah. But you survive and you get what you need. And I think that's a se- seven and a half minutes or so of truth in that song. And I think it is a nice capper on the end of an era and the beginning of something new, which, you know, politically and stuff, we had some rough shit going on and we kind of forget about it because it's history. And then we think about it now. It's <laughs> yeah, never it been worse. Bad times, yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. that's that's life, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we, I don't think we really touched on the Vietnam War, but obviously that was um, going on at this time, too. That was kind of the yes, backdrop of course. for all these, these songs and demonstrations. Yeah. Stellar song. I, always, I guess I never made the connection between this song and Give Me Shelter and how 
you know, they're a little bit more lush and grand in terms of production style. They have like the backing vocals uh-huh. and like the choir on. You can't always get yes. what you want. That really works. Like if you told me like that would, you know, like on paper, that sounds like a terrible idea. Like you got like such a raw, you know, rugged band uh, like the Stones yeah. and you added like these pretty orchestral elements, but it really sounds great. But you don't, you don't notice them. Exactly. You just notice that you're being washed over by the songs. You don't, until you're really thinking about it, it's like weird. The rest of the album doesn't have that stuff, yeah. and you, you know, and it's, I think if they did that much. for every yeah. song, it would be a fail. But when they did it for the songs that yeah. needed it, deserved it, they did it so well. Uh, great production, great just collaboration uh, between all the members of the band, whether they met to or not. <laughs> and new guitarists coming in. They had Keith Richards doing both guitar parts on some of the songs, and you can't always get what you want. But <laughs> they they got what they needed out of this, and uh, <laughs> I'm so glad we had a chance, an excuse to talk about this record and the Rolling Stones, and in this era where I think they were just at their yeah. all time strength. That's a great record, man. It really does feel like it's of the times there. You know, just stuck at the end of that decade. Here's, you know, if you're going to sum up the 60s, I think this is a good a good record to do it with. Yeah, so, Rolling Stones, Let It Bleed, go check it out. And if you have any album right now that speaks to these sort of, this sort of thing, what, what's going on, what's happened, what mess are we leaving behind? If there's some albums like that that you know about, please share them with us. Email us, podcast at albumnerds.com, or leave a voicemail at 585 210 Two four five four. We'd love to hear from you. What up? If you want to do the show a solid, you can leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. That'd really be great. You can also give us a little monetary support. Elmers.com slash support. We'd appreciate it. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Album Nerds. And uh, you can also follow us on Spotify or listen along on our website, albumnerds.com. We'll have these tracks up there. Yeah, we will. And we'll see you next week with more album recommendations. Thanks for listening. See you.